Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Interesting twist of fate, as it were. Uh, last evening, as we found out on Twitter, uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger had occasion to uh, visit one of the area hospitals and got a first-hand look at uh, what was going on with Code Zeros. Now, Code Zeros, for those who may not know, is a situation where there are one or no ambulances available for emergencies because they're all tied up most of the time at hospitals. Well, the mayor joins us to talk about his experience, and uh, if you follow some of the tweets, maybe even some suggestions that might solve this problem. Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for the time. It's good to have you with us today. Yeah, good to be with you as well. We should uh, set uh, the record straight, by the way. You were uh, at the hospital yesterday, but nothing uh, on on your part. You were just uh, helping a friend out, is that right? Yeah, exactly. We had uh, uh, someone that uh, was having some medical challenges and some uh, some wooziness and balance issues and uh, and some history with that. So we uh, we thought we'd uh, needed to get them to emerge. So I took them to emerge and uh, stayed and had a uh, you know a fascinating experience. Uh, you know, I would know, say I've, I've been to emerge before, and I'm well aware of the offloading issue and uh, some of the challenges that uh, the healthcare providers face and the paramedics. But uh, it was just a, a stark reminder last night. And the uh, to, to, to get into it, I mean, when I saw eight ambulances, uh, you know, parked and uh, and line up of people in the in the doorway with two paramedics each uh, beside each gurney, uh, you know, waiting for hours and hours at a time. Uh, while I was there, and and understanding that the the, the same experience was being had, or maybe even worse, at uh, St. Joseph's, and similar experience up at uh, Jurevinsky, uh, you know, you, you you really come to understand that uh, that's a, that's just an unsustainable problem that we need to fix. And we've been at it uh, on a number of different occasions, and thought we were making some headway, but clearly uh, the the issue is getting worse and not better. All right, so you were at the general, obviously, since you've mentioned the other two hospitals. Yeah, I was at the general, and uh, and of course you go through your triage and all the work that goes on there. And I I, I stayed with my uh, my friend to make sure that he got uh, he you know just to, to stay with him as uh, as good friends do to keep him company and uh, you know assure and uh, get him through his process. And then I thought, well, I'll just wander around. And so I got into the uh, the emergency entrance way, and of course. Uh, all of our paramedics are there, and of course the triage nurses and a supervisor whose sole job and responsibility is to try and keep that uh, you know offloading flow going as as best as possible, and uh, and heard all kinds of interesting comments from paramedics and healthcare providers or in what they think the problem is, and, and ironically, um, varying opinions of what the cause is. Well, and uh, that's but, that's interesting because I mean you know from my time on as a city councilor and you've been. Uh, in council, not just as a mayor, but as a councillor as well, you do what you yep. can to try to get the stories here. And more often than not, uh, you you rely on managers, etc., to do this. And and over the last number of years, you've had a, a series of them. Whether it's Mario Pastorero from uh, from the uh, the paramedics, uh, whether it's your own staff that are talking about this, and you hear numbers and etc. But uh, you don't often get the opportunity to actually get a first-hand look at this. And, and as happenstance would come forward here, yeah. there you are right in the middle of this and uh, uh, right in, and getting that first-hand knowledge from the folks that are right on the ground involved in, and actually, you know, being affected by this. Exactly. And and, and, uh, and and for people that are, you know, brought their, their, their families in for, you know, regular care and, and uh, uh, you know, we, we I talked to uh, some of the patients. They were gracious enough to, to have a word, and some of them, you know, are having aneurysm. Some of them are, you know, frequently there, and many of them first time ever, and, uh, you know, going through, a, you know, a, a unique experience. One gentleman, his family, uh, you know, gentleman had a stroke, and, uh, of course, the 
caring family was there, lovely people, and uh, obviously concerned about uh, dad. And, and, you know, the most important cases were getting the priority care as it should be. But it leaves uh, those that are priorities, uh, you know, you know, in, in a lurch, uh, you know, especially those that come in by ambulance in the hallway. So let me let me let me share with you some of the comments. Yeah, I, I, I want to get down to this, and we'll maybe divvy them up as to the healthcare workers, the patients, etc. Because yeah. you were there for quite a while, and you got to talk to a lot of people. I was there, I was there for uh, you know almost six hours, and uh, you know I talked to a ton. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll make this uh, you know a, an added learning experience, and. And we, as you know, we've been at this, this offloading issue for years now. And, you know, there was a time uh, that we thought we were making some good progress. We had a, a, a funded nurse that would help triage and move things along. Uh, that uh, is now, uh, you know, still in place, but not, not working effectively anymore. And I did mention that uh, the ambulance service has its own supervisor that's on every shift that goes to all of the hospitals. And his uh, sole job and responsibility is to try and get these patients uh, into into the, the hospital care system and get the ambulances back out on the street. But with, you know, there's restrictions. And so legislation doesn't allow for, currently, for ambulances to discriminate between where they bring patients to. They are required to bring patients to the emergency uh, as, as, as we speak. There are a number of patients that uh, they're bringing in there by their own admission that don't need to be an emergency that could be in a urgent care facility or uh, to be uh, to be frank uh, some have mentioned them that they just need to go into a drunk tank and sleep it off um, you know there there are they don't have the authority or the uh, the mandate to, to to discriminate where they bring these patients to. They're all required to go to emergency. So, so that so that and that's an important element uh, because we've talked with uh, the 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 people that are involved in that. Once they respond to a nine eleven call, uh, they mm-hmm. can't say, "Hey, this is a waste of our time." They've got no. they've got to follow through on this, and they have to follow. And they can't take them to an urgent care center. It has to be to a hospital. Correct. And so, uh, so, and, and you know, in, in, in many cases, an urgent care center would be just fine, or uh, you know, a walk-in clinic, uh, you know, could uh, you know treat some of those folks. I, you know, I hear from the the, uh, the paramedics that uh, you know the the frequency of calls on Monday, where people leave their call over the weekend and decide to go Monday, and in the belief that if they call an ambulance, they're, they'll get better and quicker care, uh, which is not true, because uh, they're going to get triaged just like everybody else is. Uh, so, but they uh, they tie tie up an ambulance in the process for you know possibly four or five hours because they can't get admitted to the hospital because now they're in the emergent care system and and no one wants to absolve themselves of the responsibility of following through on their uh, required uh, procedures. So that's one issue. The other issue is we are a regional uh, 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 hospital center that takes patients from southern Ontario because of, you know, proudly great expertise in cancer and great expertise in heart care at the general. Uh, that then, uh, you know, brings patients from other areas, and those ambulances also come in and offload patients, which adds to the load. And then if you add, you know, flu season on top of that <clears throat> and uh, aging population, and, you know, one of the supervisors advised me that uh, his belief was that far too many patients are left in the hospital that should be in long-term care, and because there aren't any long-term care beds, they can't go to long-term care. Therefore, they remain in the hospital until something's available, and that t- ties up beds for people that are in more critical need of getting admitted to the hospital, which then backs up the line. So there's a multitude of issues here that uh, I think requires a 
probably a multitude of partners coming together and saying, okay, let's sort this out and let's, let's figure out, you know, some, some sort of uh, permissive legislation for paramedics, for starters, that allows them to, uh, to, to make a, a, uh, you know, a reasonable call as to, uh, you know, what the appropriate location for care should be. Uh, we already know that, that far too many people use the emergency services as a, you know, a doctor's office and, Hence the uh, the the advent of uh, you know walk-in centers, and that certainly has helped uh, that situation. But uh, now we're dealing with that same kind of problem in the ambulance services, and obviously they want to be out. They're frustrated. Paramedics are frustrated because you know they don't see it as their job to be standing in the hospital for five or six hours, and they they need to stand with their patient until they're they're admitted, and then they can they can go. And they're so most of their shift they're doing nothing. Uh, other than uh, some monitoring for some individuals that are that that are now sitting in hallways in the hospital. So you so, you've had a chance to talk to the people that are being impacted by this on a shift by shift basis. Did they right. do they have any ideas on how to make this better? Well, and and, and so I've just kind of gone over the whole range of ideas that I've heard. So freeing up the long term uh, care beds or getting more long term care beds would free up the uh, the ability for people to uh, move out of the hospital more quickly and then free up those beds for admittance for for more critical care people uh the legislation around uh and i you know i i believe there's there's some legislation that's uh, being uh, you know proposed that would allow paramedics a uh, little more authority to decide where the best level of care would be uh that would certainly be helpful because that would uh, eliminate a lot of uh, folks coming into the system that don't need to be there uh the uh so so one of the one of the uh, the comments from one of the paramedics uh, was that you know far too many people that are intoxicated are uh, you know the police would call them and say we've got a person uh, you know intoxicated uh, you know lying on the ground or wherever they are uh, then you know that triggers a whole mechanism for the uh, the ambulance services to get involved and of course they have to take them to the hospital when by the you know one of the comments from the paramedics is they what they need is a you know a drunk tank to go sleep it off and they don't need to be tying up the uh, the uh, the uh, the urgent emergent care facilities uh, in the in the hospital. So there's a there's a multitude of issues happening here, and I think everyone has a role to play. And I'm 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 hoping that I can uh, I can pull all the uh, the the providers together and start to maybe collectively have a have a summit about uh, how do we deal with this issue because this cannot continue. I mean it's it's now the new normal to have you know six five six or seven ambulances tied up for hours at a time uh, sitting at the hospital doing absolutely nothing when they should be out in the road ready to deal with uh, you know critical emergencies which is really their main purpose is not patient transfer but saving people's lives and getting them to the hospital so they can get the critical care they need it's interesting that you got this feedback and but but obviously this is it's not a black and white issue i mean i understand because i've i've heard this from some frontline workers as well that you know there's some people that probably shouldn't be going and we should be able to make that that evaluation uh, mm-hmm. i should i should remind them that uh, that there's a, a lawsuit pending right now that uh, where there was an evaluation made about an incident, and somebody ended up dying, and uh, I I don't know how that's going to get resolved, but I'm just saying you got to be careful because there's some legal obligations that need to be adhered to as well. So uh, I don't think yeah. that's going to move forward. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting the sense that what you'd like to do now is replicate this uh, this session that you had last night, Mr. Mayor, and have some of these frontline folks sitting around the table and and, and coming up with some possible solutions that you could present to somebody. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've certainly heard a lot last night, and I'm uh, I'm feverishly taking notes, and I'll, I'll be I'll be talking to our uh, you know chiefs of fire and paramedics, and uh, 
in health sciences. Uh, Rob McIsaac, I cc'd on the, on the message, and I know we all have collective concern about this issue. This is not not one that's been ignored, but it's uh, it's one that seems to be getting worse rather than getting better, notwithstanding the efforts that we've all made to try and make improvements here. And, uh, you know, consumer demand, uh, you know, is a factor. Uh, so, you know, educating people on when it's appropriate to call an ambulance and when it's not uh, is part of part of the answer. Uh, you know, people. Uh, some people don't need to be treating ambulances like uh, like many little hospitals. They're uh, they're 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 for critical care and not uh, uh, you know not for you know a flu or I, I I'm I'm not feeling the best today and I need to see a doctor but I can't get a doctor and therefore I'll call an ambulance and I'll get care right away. I mean, those are that, that that's complicating the system and um, I I think that's part of the part of the solution is a a better education process for how people are to utilize ambulances. And I, you know, notwithstanding the the liability issues, and I fully appreciate that no one wants to get caught making a mistake. But at the same time, we have to make some critical choices in how we deliver this service and, and for the greater good. And you know, there uh, there needs to be, I think, a rationalization of how this service is utilized so that we can. Uh, not have the mistake of not having an ambulance available when there's someone out there in critical need. And that, that's what, uh, you know, a code zero is, is that you've got all of them sitting in hospitals waiting for, uh, for admittance and uh, processing and nobody out on the road to, uh, to be able to deal with, uh, you know, the next emergent care issue that uh, might be a life and death issue. So I, I think we have to make some choices. And I think, uh, you know, we've tried, uh, you know, some of the, you know, Twitter trolls have suggested. You know, this is the first time. I said absolutely not. That's uh, that's ridiculous. We've been uh, we've been at this for years. Uh, but it, for me, last night it was a stark reminder that it's getting worse, not getting better. And uh, you know, what the longer we leave it, uh, uh, you know, not not having a comprehensive answer to this, uh, the, the worse it's going to get. So there's a multi-party kind of approach that we're going to have to take here, including the provincial government that may have to come up with more resources. Uh, to uh, and Hamilton, I understand, is unique in this sense. So that this is not the kind of problem that they're experiencing to the degree that we are uh, in other municipalities, largely because we are that regional health center with a, uh, you know, that takes patients from uh, you know southern Ontario for uh, for better or for worse. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, Mr. Mayor, I uh, an eye-opening experience, and uh, certainly yeah. I hope it's going to be something that's going to create a conversation on this. I appreciate the time today. Thanks so much. Yeah, I want to I thank all the good people that uh, took the time to talk with me last night. Uh, brilliant, wonderful people, all caring, compassionate uh, families and, and caregivers. Uh, you know, they're working hard, and uh, I don't blame anyone, uh, but this is certainly an issue that needs to be resolved. So I appreciate all their hard work and their, their compassion. We'll talk again soon. Thanks again. Thanks, Bill. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, uh, with his experiences from uh, ER last night, a six-hour stint at Hamilton General Hospital, he got a first-hand look at what was going on with uh, the uh, Code Zero situation. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.